Welcome back to Dealing Together. First caller? I bought three sweaters to get the fourth free. Oh, you got fleeced. Next caller? I traded my old Samsung at AT&T for a new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus and chose my plan. That's not a bad deal. It is not. Our best smartphone deals. Your choice of plan. Learn how to get the new Samsung Galaxy S24 Plus with Galaxy AI on us with eligible trade-in. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Offers vary by device. Subject to change. S24 plus 256 gigabyte offer available for a limited time. Terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash Samsung for details. It is Crown Corner as you get ready for the Seattle Sounders. Will Pelagic, Jessica Charman, uh, probably the most normal week that we've had for Charlotte FC in quite some time. Uh, no midweek game to talk about. No uh, other games outside of what we have on the weekend. It's just a matter of trying to get Charlotte FC back in the win column against a Seattle team who we did see once a year ago, our first ever trip to the Pacific Northwest, a 2-1 defeat. Charlotte got a goal in the opening half with Ben Bender on a, a corner kick uh, tap in basically from him off a rebound. And uh, unfortunately, Charlotte conceded twice against Seattle uh, right before the international break. And interestingly enough, we have that same situation here with hosting Seattle before a bit of a pause of 11 days for Charlotte FC. And Jess, right now, from the Crown's perspective, scenario where the rest might have helped them, but unfortunately it doesn't look like they're going to get any of those pieces that they're missing back. Looks like Enzo Capetti and Camille Jozviak might very well miss another contest for the Crown. Yeah, I think everyone was playing very close attention to that press conference, hoping there would be better news from Latanzia. But unfortunately, like you say, well, looking like they'll need that extra time in the international break and hope to be ready once that break is over. Those are pieces of the puzzle that Charlotte FC is missing drastically. When you look at Enzo Capetti and what he brought to the table as that outlet, as that guaranteed number nine, we haven't really been able to find a like-for-like switch. And then Camille Czizviak missing that pitbullish nature, not only what he does on the attacking side of the ball, but also that mean streak and nastiness. So it's disappointed to lose those pieces. But I think the key important thing to take from this game is it's absolutely must win because... As you've said, with the international break, they're not going to have another game for a while. You want to make sure that you break this slump before you have to have that break away from games. You want to make sure you go into that international break with a positive result. I'm very curious to see how they play this one, Jess, because I think you and I both agreed that Patrick Ajiman played well as the striker from the start, uh, but then they went to that change with Swiderski going back up to the number nine and Ben Bender playing that central attacking midfield role. You and I both are very big fans of Ben. Uh, I'm wondering if that's maybe the look they go with from the start and Ajiman potentially off the bench. Yeah, I think that you're looking at that experience. And um, Ben Bender, obviously a young un, but has that year of experience under his belt and has shown development. It's also ironic in a lot of ways that the Seattle game was one of Ben Bender's brightest games in terms of his confidence. I remember not only the tap-in mm -hmm. goal, but also a couple of strikes that rocked Stefan Fry in goal. So he definitely wasn't short of confidence playing in Seattle. So might be a great game for him to return to that starting lineup with a point to prove with Carroll, just got to get him on the ball more. He's a designated player for a reason, but he hasn't been able to have the impact this season consistently. A lot of that because he's been playing all over the field in different positions and hasn't really been able to set himself in that one main consistent role. But at the end of the day, as a designated player, you've got to get the touches on the ball. You've got to show for the ball and you've got to want to create opportunities. So I want to see a bit of a 
braver Carroll in this game in terms of asking for the ball, demanding possession of his teammates and making sure that he's able to create opportunities. Yeah, I find it interesting on Carroll just that um, he has already half his goal output from last season, halfway through this season. But I think we're looking at it uh, almost in a more diverse fashion than we looked at the total last year. I think he got his goals very much in bunches. You know, he had a couple of braces early against New England and uh, Cincinnati as well. So from that aspect, you're looking at a, a more concise goal output from him last year but this year they've been a bit more spread out and I do feel like from, from his perspective like you said we've had to see him all over the field and I find it fascinating that he's been able to get to that same goal total obviously I think we all want more out of him but the fact that he's been able to get five when like you said he's played striker he's played wing he's played central attacking midfielder he's done everything on the field except play defense and goal uh, to me it seems like uh, if you get him in the singular place you can exactly you can very well harness what he brings to the table. And I think he's got better pieces around him that should be helping him find the back of the net more, though. When you look at the service from Ashley Westwood and that connection they had in the goal last weekend, you're able to see Carroll getting that sort of service and showing that touch of class. So we expect more goals from him, maybe because we also know that we've upgraded in certain areas on the field that should allow him to see more possession. But at the end of the day, Carroll needs to get the ball more. He hasn't had enough touches. And whether that's because his team aren't finding him with the correct service, I think it's partially that. I think it's also partially that willingness to put yourselves in areas to demand the ball. If he's able to find that combination, then I think that, you know, we could see more goals from Swiderski. I asked Christian during the presser if, they need to diversify their attack. Uh, he mentioned the fact that it is hard to kind of get a consistent attack forward when you're missing two of your top players. And I think if you take the top two DPs off of any team, there's definitely going to be a st struggle point, or at least two of the top three, I guess, in that in that aspect, depending on how you rate Svidersky vis-a-vis Jozviak and, and Enzo. But I do feel like there need to be more questions asked of the defense uh, from Charlotte FC's perspective. Yeah, you got two goals against Columbus. One was created off a defensive miscue. You mentioned Westwood. His service has been, I think, up and down over the course of the season. He had the great pass against the crew to open the scoring for Charlotte. But I do feel like from the, from the crowd's perspective, Jess, there does need to be a little bit of that variance in order to try and at least make sure that it's not just take it out to the wing and hit and hope. It's all just a little bit too predictable, isn't it? If we're completely honest, everything seems to be directed that the midfield gets the ball out wide, the wingers run down the line and they try and cut the ball in the box. The issue is once you become predictable, defences adjust, goalkeepers adjust. They know where they need to be. They know they need to get bodies into the box and make sure that they're not allowing Charlotte FC players to win those duels inside the 18 and they're successfully defending us. I think you're right, Will. It needs to be more diversified and the players on the pitch need to feel empowered to make their own decisions the way they read their game so that we can try and mix things up a little bit. I know you and I also talked about the defense and that's another thing that I kind of I took out in, in the press conference with with Christian where I asked about, you know, the change in defensive alignment. It's something we heard Christian Kalina talk about also in his Wednesday availability about how uh, they are having to adjust to play a lot more offside trap. They're playing a much higher line of confrontation. We're seeing some positional adjustments that Kalina's had to make. He's had to play a little bit more sweeper keeper this year because of that high line of confrontation. Uh, I know that there's a high risk 
uh, and high reward that's played like that because you do want to try to keep the high press in and potentially dispossess the opposition. But at the same time, it has left Charlotte FC vulnerable in some some instances, at least in a pointed part this year. Yeah, playing a high back line is a gamble. You're playing with fire. And we saw it exploited time and time again against the Columbus crew, right? They were able to time their runs perfectly and find themselves in a lot of one-on-one situations. And that's extremely difficult for a goalkeeper. It's good that Kalina is playing that higher line. He is quite comfortable with one-on-ones and a lot of opportunities, but he's going to see more and more of those if we continue to play the high line. The other gambler playing a high line is with your pinched-in fullbacks. You're not only out of position in terms of being, you know, pinched in, you're also now playing a high line, which means that everyone has to drop. It's one dangerous ball that catches you off guard. Yes, there is the reward, of course, with playing a high line and hoping to catch teams off guard. But do we necessarily have the pace throughout our squad to be able to recover from that high position in games, you know, like Columbus? We saw that maybe we didn't have that speed to be able to recover at all times. I was able to have a chance to talk on the Mac and Bone Show on our flagship WFNZ about uh, not only the transfer window upcoming, but also the advent of, of Lionel Messi with uh, Zoran Conetta, the sporting director of Charlotte FC. I wanted to talk about the, the FC part of the business first because we did also hear from Christian Latanzio, and he said he, the number he used was three. He says that the crown need three more players uh, added at the summer transfer window. Uh, we have a potential thinking that at least two of those players that are currently on the roster, Nuno Santos, Andre Shinishiki, more than likely won't factor with the club uh, come the summer transfer window. So as a result, that does offer two spots right away. Uh, what do you think of the fact that it seemed like Christian Latanzio said right out that there does need to be additions and uh, he wouldn't necessarily uh, add who, exactly who those things are, but Zoran definitely agreed that uh, they are going to be trying to do some business here once the calendar turns to July. Yeah, I think it's absolutely imperative they make that because when we see our squad depth, we know that when we've missed a couple of key pieces, it's changed the style of play considerably or the level of play rather. So it's clear that in MLS with the crazy schedule, with the crazy travel, you need to have a deeper squad than maybe we have. And I think competition breeds success in a lot of ways. And we need to make sure that players don't kind of sit back on their laurels and think their spot is guaranteed. And as you mentioned, with the two players that will most likely never feature for Charlotte again, they need to be replaced because you've missed two players in positions and you haven't got that depth and you're playing youngsters and our youngsters have done a fantastic job of stepping up. But at the end of the day, you need experience as well. I very much agree. And I'm wondering exactly who those names might be. I think we'll at least have a better idea of that over the course of the next couple of weeks. Once we get closer, July 5th is when that summer transfer window opens. Obviously, they can uh, talk about those signings between now and then, but they officially cannot join the squad until then, and speaking of the summer transfer window, the biggest signing of them all is already at least uh, rumored to be taking place. The reporting very solid out of Europe that Lionel Messi is going to make the leap from Paris Saint-Germain across the pond to come play in MLS with Inter-Miami, uh, joining the squad at the beginning of the summer transfer window. Don't know exactly when he's going to debut, but... As the calendar sits, Charlotte FC still has its two matches against Inter-Miami awaiting them, one in August and then Decision Day, the 21st day of October at Bank of America Stadium. And Jess, I know that I got a little excited when I saw that, the you know the potential to call a game involving uh, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest. It's something that's incredibly appetizing, though it's a kind of a conflicting nature because at the end of the day, 
while you want to see him be great, I think we both also want to see Charlotte FC do well. So it's a, a bit of a mixed bag in terms of trying to think about a potential of uh, number 10 from Argentina suiting it up in MLS. Yeah, I think it's incredible growth for the league because Messi's still at a stage in his career that he's playing extremely well. We're kind of continuing to knock that retirement league out of the park. That's not really a truth being, and it hasn't been for a long time. But I think when signings like this happen, it makes people turn their heads even more, particularly in Europe, where maybe there's some snobbery against MLS. Mm. Those people will be silenced with this signing. Um, at the end of the day, though, Inter Miami is a side that struggled, and they've obviously had the turnover of their management. They've not been successful on the field. One player, yes, greatest of all time, is going to make a huge impact, but they've got to be coached well too, and they've got to all step up and be able to play. So I think that I'm excited to be able to be uh, involved with this signing in terms of Charlotte getting to play against Messi, but I don't think it's now a kind of fact that Charlotte's going to get destroyed by Inter Miami. I don't think anyone is in terms of the league because Messi's going to have to step up and lead this team in a way that obviously he's capable of in a lot of ways he's capable of, but at the end of the day, you need a full team around you, right? So I think it'll be interesting to see the Lionel Messi impact. I think it's going to be incredible for the growth uh, of the game and the respect of the game across the world. But I don't think it means Charlotte doesn't have a hope against Inter Miami. I think it'll just be a fun, competitive game. And for our defenders, it's going to be another different sort of challenge for them. Well, it's funny you mentioned that that one player doesn't completely change things. I'm not trying to equate this player to that player or, or situations between the two. But the first thing I thought of was Toronto. And everybody thought that the you know impact of Lorenzo Insigne and Federico Bernardeschi were going to completely give Toronto a splash. Yeah, they did beat us in that first contest, but it's not like they made a significant move from the bottom of the table in the Eastern Conference. Uh, they'd had a very minimal impact on Toronto's playoff impact, if any, and it hasn't exactly carried over the 2023 campaign either. So from that aspect, there is no magic fix in terms of trying to, you know, you add a player from Europe and all of a sudden your fortunes improve. Look at Shakiri with Chicago. You know, it's not guaranteed that they're going to come over here and do incredibly. And I'm not saying that Messi's going to struggle in MLS, but there still is an adjustment period, right? There is still a different travel ask. There is still a different workload ask. There is still a lot of differences between the style of play. I mean, Messi obviously has those abilities, but at the end of the day, it still may take an adjustment. So I'll be interested to see how that plays on the field. Do you think it will beget greater talent coming across the board? We obviously have heard about the rumors involving some players that might be joining Miami alongside Lionel Messi and MLS's roster rules, I think, will be definitely bent to try to make that happen for Inter Miami. I think there might be some guys who are on DP contracts who uh, might get bought down and uh, maybe not have a little bit, uh, maybe have a little bit less money in their bank, so to speak, in terms of that or in terms of their cap charge. But do you think that it might beget more signings to different teams from maybe a higher quality of player from either Europe or South America than we originally might have thought? Yeah, I think it's going to turn eyes again and grow that respect in the league. We're seeing it with the young South Americans coming over. We saw it with Miguel Almiron. We see it with Thiago Almada. There's lots Mm. of young South American players that are seeing this league as a stepping stone, but also a great place to play their soccer. And 
the international teams are respecting it too, to see Armada get called up playing in MLS to the Argentine national team and then winning a World Cup. Things like this change the respect levels and then young players aren't afraid to go to MLS, you know? I think growing up in England, there were people that thought, oh, if I go play in America, that's the end of my career, which is is crazy. But unfortunately, that's the way that the tabloids have kind of framed MLS. But now you see Messi take this step. Now you see other players make that jump. It continues to grow the respect of the league, which means young players see this as a stepping stone or as a great place to make their name professionally versus the old time statement of the retirement league. Well, you, you mentioned uh, what's going on in, in England. You know, you and I, we shared the piece earlier with Ashley Westwood doing a, a long form interview uh, with a publication in, in England about uh, his departure from Burnley, the fact that Burnley actually got themselves promoted back to the Premier League. And even though that is the case, uh, Ashley Westwood very much at peace with his decision to come across the pond and even uh, Vincent Company, the big head coach there with the uh, with the relationship that he has with uh, Christian Latanzio, their city football group days. Uh, it was a situation where it was the best move for both parties. And uh, Ashley Westwood still has a little bit left in the tank. It's not, like you said, a, a retirement move for him. He's somebody who feels like he can still uh, have some of his best soccer in front of him. And as the fan bases continue to be incredible, people want to make that jump. They see the facilities. They see the fan base. They see the competitiveness. They see the level improving, and it becomes a more attractive deal. So this is just the beginning of that growth, and I can only imagine how it'll be in five, ten years. To this weekend, Charlotte FC hosting Seattle. As I mentioned, it was 2-1 last year in favor of the Sounders, who were a team that uh, did not necessarily do well a year ago, finished uh, 11th out of 14 in the Western Conference. Uh, They did get the victory over us head-to-head last year, but they've had a bit of a resurgence with, ironically, very much the same talent. Uh, I know that they had some injuries early on last year that put them behind the eight ball, but uh, they at least got some pieces back. They are 8-6-3, second in the Western Conference table, the only team better than them is St. Louis. So this is a side that I think Charlotte FC should know well from their time at least a year ago. But like we said before, not necessarily an easy task, though. It is made easier, I think, by the travel, Seattle having to come west to east. Yeah, it's a different kettle of fish when you were the team that traveled last year, had that fatigue, had that long journey, and now they have to come play on your home pitch. I think what scares me about Seattle is how good they are defensively. Nine clean sheets on the season. 50% of their games have had a clean sheet in it. Charlotte FC is not exactly scoring goals for fun. So we're going to have to try those differences going forward if you're going to penetrate a back line that is so confident in the way it plays defensively. Very much looking forward to this one in Bank of America Stadium. It's the last game for Charlotte FC before an 11-day break for the international break, which, like we said before, could very much uh, spell some great, much-needed recovery time for Enzo Capetti and Camille Josviak. And also, from uh, Charlotte FC's perspective, they'll need those two guys back, Jess, because more than likely not going to have Carol Svidersky available for that uh, June the 21st matchup against Red Bulls because of Carroll getting back off international duty from the Polish national team. Yeah, it, it's vital, and we need to see that. And I know the medical staff are probably working night and day to make sure those recoveries happen quick enough. Very much so, and we'll see whether or not Charlotte FC can get themselves back in the wind calm. They've still been pretty good back at their building after an early spell of unfortunate unsuccess. We'll take an opportunity to talk to you about it beginning at 7 o'clock on Saturday when Charlotte hosts Seattle Sounders. Plenty of tickets remaining. Should be a nice day as well on Saturday, so we're looking forward to it. Hope to talk to you on Saturday, Jess, and uh, we will see you back at the bank. Three points at the bank, please. See you later, Willie. Make it happen. And we'll talk to you as well as uh, listening as well on Crown Corner, our podcast for Charlotte FC and WFNZ.